On March 31, 1949, after two referendums, the people of Newfoundland and Labrador voted in favour, by the smallest of margins, to join Canadian Confederation. And just like that, the people, including our own toddler-aged parents, went from being British subjects to Canadian citizens. On that day, Canada added another time zone and an entire population with a truly unique culture. We have our own dialect of English. We have not one, but three provincial flags. We have unique cuisine that includes dandelion greens, all manner of partridge berry and baked apple desserts, weekly jigs dinner, and of course, the almighty cod. We are so proud of our culture that every student in our province must take Newfoundland and Labrador cultural heritage alongside math, English, and French in order to graduate from high school. That study of culture extends into our post-secondary institution, Memorial University, which is one of only two universities in all of Canada where you can earn a PhD in folklore. Our history is not squeaky clean. There have been dark times, desperate times. But there have also been magnificent times when we've bonded together to make this world a better place, when we've found the light in the dark. All of it, the good and the bad, have shaped our story. I cannot say it any better than the late great Newfoundland artist Ron Hines in his song The St. John's Waltz. We've had our share of history. We've seen nations come and go. We've seen battles rage over land and stage 400 years or more, for glory or for freedom or for country or for king. Don't question or inquire what's been gained and what's been lost. In a world of romance, don't miss out on your chance to be dancing the St. John's Waltz. Join us as we once again go home to share with you some of the stories that you've shared with us in the grand tradition of Newfoundlanders telling stories that are some weird. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Some Weird Podcast. I am your co-host Barry. And I'm your co-host Chrissy. Uh, welcome to episode 12, part one. We're going to break this up into two parts because we have so many stories of our home, Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah, so we're doing this one a little bit different because we've already spent the whole season talking about various stories from Newfoundland, so we couldn't just rehash them. So we went right to you, the, to the listener. I was going to say the viewer, but nobody watches us. That would be creepy. Yeah, you guess they could stare at the picture that comes up when you're, when you're on the podcast catcher thing when, you, when you're listening to it. Not really good viewing, though. But no, we, we received a bunch of stories from listeners from all over the globe, I guess, Newfoundlanders displaced and things like that. So we do appreciate it. We're going to go through some of those. But before we do that, uh, let's talk a little bit about Newfoundland. Have you ever been to Newfoundland? I've been there once. Uh, it lasted 24 years. Yeah, it was, it was a long <laughs> run, yeah. Uh, the last time I was in Newfoundland was the year before Corona. So 2019. Was it 2019 or 2018? I think it was 2019. 2019, yeah. Um, your car tried to kill me, and my children almost blew off of Signal Hill. Yeah, it was very windy that day, which is not uncommon for here. So even though, like you said, we've t- talked so much about Newfoundland, we do have a couple of interesting facts. One thing you said, three provincial flags. So that would be, I'm going to guess now. Yep. The Pratt Jack, which is the current one. That's called the Pratt Jack? It's, it's a nickname. Oh, Christopher Pratt designed it. He's a famous artist from Newfoundland, and he designed it, and they called it the Pratt Jack. 
I never heard that term before. So okay. see, I'm already learning stuff. The Union Jack was used up until 1980 as the provincial flag from 1949 to 1980s. I didn't know the Union Jack was our provincial flag until 1980 either. Until the Brat Jack came aboard, yeah. Oh, okay. You should have studied harder in folklore. Should have. So is the third one you're talking about the white, green, and pink or the Labrador flag? I didn't number them in first, second, and third, but yeah, those are the three. So you got the Pratt Jack, the Republic of Newfoundland, the green, white, and pink, and the Labrador flag, which is white with green, and it has like a like a pine branch, a blasty bow. A blasty bow, yeah, that's right. You get the fire going. What else is interesting about Newfoundland? Uh, uh, September 11th is always a story that's near and dear to our hearts, and mm-hmm. to anybody who doesn't know, I'm sure everybody knows the story, but September 11th, obviously, it was a very tragic day in the world, and it's pretty close to where Chrissy is now, what happened, the planes hit the Twin Towers, and a lot of planes got uh, diverted, and a bunch got diverted to a small town of Gander, Newfoundland, which at one time had the biggest airport in the world, but now it's like, it's not even like a landing strip, not much more than that. Right. But anyway, a bunch of planes got diverted there, and the people of Gander area took in all these passengers and uh, looked after them, and, you know, I, I was a Thousands of people. I don't have the exact numbers on me, but seven or eight thousand people, something like that. Basically, doubling the population of the town. Yeah. Of course, Gander being a very small town, like basically every town in Newfoundland is a small town, save for St. John's and, and a couple others. Yeah. But um, you know, there's nowhere to stay, and there was no, uh, there was no end point to what was going to happen there, right? Who knows so, how long they're going to be there and all that stuff? Yeah. Right. So the people set up the schools they set up their homes they opened like um the shops like um shoppers drug mart walmart stuff like that and they were just like take what you need don't worry about it on the phone company set up all kinds of phone banks there so this is this is before the days where cell phones were as prevalent as they are now that's right and free free call wherever you want to in the world all kinds of crazy stuff that they had and and the people that were here have nothing but great things to say about uh, the hospitality that were shown to them so you know yes I think Newfoundland always pride themselves on being people that are compassionate and helpful and willing to help strangers. Yeah. You say, like, what's interesting about Newfoundland? I mean, the, a better question is what's not interesting about Newfoundland. Yeah, it's, it's got a half-hour time zone. What the hell? It literally has its own dialect. What are you talking about? I don't have an accent. <laughs> Some people call it Newfoundlandese, but yep. the Dictionary of Newfoundland English, they started it at Memorial University, the folklore department there, back in the um, 1950s. 50s actually shortly after confederation because many of the people that worked in the folklore department feared that they would lose their language so they started the dictionary and it's been published several times over um the names of the towns are ridiculous yeah everyone's favorite's dildo of course dildo is a beautiful little town (laughs) beautiful little town yeah it's uh made very famous by jimmy kimmel i think it was uh started talking about it on the news but it's always been a I'm sure that town's been the brunt end of many, many jokes because it's called Dildo. Um, I'm not sure what the origin of that. I, I have looked it up before and it has obviously nothing to do with, with what you think of when you hear the word Dildo. It has something to do with whaling. That's all I know. Yeah, okay. There's also uh, like Blow Me Down's name of a town. Black Tickle's another one. Come By Chance. There's all kinds of weird uh, little funny names. Yeah. Our town is not that funny. Bay Roberts. But the food is ridiculous. My husband loves it because... He only likes to eat the weirdest of weird things. So people like to try to shock him and say, you want to feed a ka tongs, my son? And he'd be like, yes, I do. And they're like, oh, you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> I would very much appreciate a feed of ka tongs right now. <laughs> yeah. 
it's a very interesting food and not, not the healthiest food i don't think mm, uh, for no. a diet a lot of very salty food but tasty some famous people from here we have Codco, the TV show Codco, which was a, a very popular sketch comedy that aired all across Canada, I do believe, from in the late 80s, early 90s. Yes. So you got Tommy Sexton, Greg Malone, uh, Andy Jones, Kathy Jones, Mary Walsh, I believe. Uh, Alan Doyle is, is a very famous singer from here. Alan Hako, one of our top listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think many of the Newfoundlanders who are famous are famous for being Newfoundlanders. Yeah, for sure. But then you have other ones who kind of surprise you, like Gordon Pinsent, who was the voice of Babar. Oh, was he the voice of Babar? Yeah, Elephant, yeah. Sailor White, of course. We can't forget our wrestling roots. Uh, we, we talked about him before and how he ran for Parliament, and he was the leader of the Extreme Canadian Wrestling Party. That was a great story. Yeah. Like, even at the very beginning of us doing this podcast, I know we talked about cringing when people mispronounce Newfoundland. I've softened a lot. And I don't care that other people mispronounce Newfoundland because everyone is trying to learn. That's right. I mean, looking at the way it's pronounced and how Greenland, Finland, and all these countries, land is always pronounced Lund in yeah. most geographic pronunciations. So I, I can fully understand why people would get it wrong. So, By the way, I don't know if you saw this or not. Somebody from Finland commented about your pronunciation in our Saskatchewan episode. Oh, really? Um, that your pronunciations were good. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Finland listener. Yes. Um, they said the pronunciations were, were good, and uh, I don't know if they were being serious <laughs> or yeah. sarcastic, but yeah. thank you, Finnish Either listeners. way, thank you for listening, whether I did it right <laughs> or wrong. If, 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 if you say that ironically, I still, I'm still happy. That's right. Like we said in the very first episode, if you want to listen ironically, we don't care. Yeah. Anyway. So that's, they knew the story. Uh, I don't think they did. No, I think that was a new story for them. Uh, okay. Or it seemed to be. And then all the rest of their tweets were written in Finnish. So I had no idea what, <laughs> what, what that was else. Making fun of, that was them making fun of us in Finnish. <laughs> yeah, their entire their entire Twitter um, Twitter account is just making fun of the Some Weird Podcast. Yeah, that's right. Um, but anyway, we're all here to learn. So if, yep. if I've ever made fun of you for mispronouncing Newfoundland, I apologize. Yep. Thank you for listening. And we're all here to learn. Yeah, so we can ramble on and on about everything about Newfoundland, and I think we've gone pretty long already. So again, this this episode is going to be a little bit different because we've covered so much content in Newfoundland already. What we decided to do is we had a bunch of listeners write in a bunch of stories that they had. A lot of different fun, cool stuff, and we appreciate everybody for sharing their stories with us, and we're going to share them with our audience. Yep, some wrote in a story, and some of them said, here's something that you should talk about. So for some of those, uh, you know, we went to some other sources to get some more information. Somebody had given us an idea of writing about the death token. So a death token is something that you might see that will either predict your death or show you that somebody has already died before you know it. It's a supernatural okay. thing. And I believe that the term death token is a Newfoundland term, but the phenomenon is probably known throughout many different cultures. So here's a story that I found in an article from Down Home magazine. It was written by Dennis Flynn. Really? I know him. Uh, do you? If it's the Dennis Flynn I'm thinking of, he's a runner. When we run races, his time and my time are always very close. Oh, so he's fast. He, like, he'll be like either just in front of me or just behind me. Uh, so this is set in the Conception Bay North town of Colliers, not too far from Bay Roberts. It was a, a kind of a common thing to say around the town that 
and this is a quote directly from his article, what the seed takes away, it always gives back, but not in the way that you expect, which is like ominous as hell. As an island province whose history and culture is inextricably tied to the ocean, this says a lot in a very delightfully dark way. So we dedicated an entire episode of the role of the sea in in our Newfoundland episode, the C word, which I don't know if many people got my terrible pun on that. But anyway, (laughs) I I think I think they did. (laughs) I don't think mom did. I think she did. She just won't admit it. Probably so. My kids are too pure for that. Well, no, we won't talk about our parole mother, but she does love the podcast despite our language. (laughs) Um, So here's the story. One particularly stormy night about 50 years ago when the wind was blowing a gale and there was heavy rain and thunder and lightning, which is kind of rare in Newfoundland. Yeah, very uncommon, yeah. Wind, no. Rain, no. Thunder and lightning, yes. You do get it sometimes. In this particular night, there was thunder and lightning. And old Nan, we call it grandmother Nan, uh, heard an annoying banging, which was her metal storm door. Fearing that the wind was going to take it, she made her way up to the front porch to pull it to. When she got there, she stopped dead in her tracks when she saw, clear as day, an image of a little boy, dripping wet with rain, coming up her front steps. He didn't speak a word. He held up his hands and shook his head in the international gesture that says, no. Nan was shocked to see that this was not just a random child wandering around on a stormy night, but it was the apparition of her own seven-year-old nephew who was drowned under a wharf in a nearby town, a few years earlier. So did Nan say, Come in, boy, you're going to catch your death. Let me get you a tea bun. <laughs> Come in, me old ducky, before you catches your death. Have a <laughs> cup of tea and a saucer. With <laughs> <laughs> a carnation milk. Because I trusted it for years. Anyway, that, that's a Newfoundland reference that our Newfoundland listeners will get. And that's a very typical thing for Nan to say. Any Nan, it doesn't matter which one. So Nan's standing there in disbelief because she's seeing her nephew that was drowned under the wharf, which is the saddest hell story. And all of a sudden, a bolt of lightning strikes her metal door that was banging in the wind. So had that apparition not showed up and she had put her hand on the door to pull it closed, who knows what would have happened to poor old Nan. No cup of tea for her. No homemade bread for for the family. I just want to take one moment to think about our Nan's homemade bread. Yeah. So good. It was. Anyway, yeah, cool, cool story. I've never experienced such a thing. But stories like this are fairly common throughout the province. Oh, for sure, yeah. You'll hear about them kind of all over the place. And it's usually something to this effect. Either a ghost will show up to warn you of something like this. Now, again, who knows if the story is fully true or not, right? But it's believable enough. And the folklore of that death token is prevalent enough that a lot of people would relate to it. Yep. Now, I told you before we started recording that I do have a special surprise for you. Yep. So here's part one of your surprise. Okay, here we go. I mentioned in the introduction that Newfoundland has its own dialect. I'm going to give you a quiz based Uh on the stories that I tell. Okay. Okay. Here is... Barry's Newfoundland English quiz. Will you graduate from high school? Number one. Nan probably looked a sight in her house coat and her hair blown wild in the wind. If she had looked like that strolling around on a normal day, they might have called her this. A word to describe someone, usually a female, who goes around like someone no one owns, disheveled and generally unkempt. Hmm. 
Oh my God, do I got to give you a hint? You might have to. Like a crossword puzzle. All right. Begins with the letter S. Skeet? No, a boy would be a skeet. Yeah. Skunt? No. <laughs> no, but let's make that a word. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a word of a friend of mine in Ontario. It was a Trinidadian person he used to use all the time. Um, <laughs> really? Skunk? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to pass. All right. You'll know it when I say it. They would have said that she was going around looking like a streel. A streel. Okay, yes. That's a Newfoundland term? I think so. Okay. All right. So you failed that Zero one. for one. Zero for one. Let's try the next one now. I'm sure that in life, Nan loved her little nephew. She probably called him me old blank. A fish, surprisingly not a cod, and term of endearment bestowed upon someone younger than you. Me old trout. That's right. I was going to leave it open because you could have filled in many words here. It could have been yeah. me old trout, me old duck. Me old cock. Anything. But. Me old titty. <laughs> me old scunt. <laughs> me old scunt. <laughs> That's the best word I've ever heard in my life. I'm glad you enjoy it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, number three. This is the final one for this set. Okay. All right. The story of the ghost nephew who saved her life was surely told through the years over a drop of tea and a game of cards. In Newfoundland, the generic oh. word cards always refers to this local favorite. Yeah. And this game has many names. So 120s, growl, auction. It's got one name. 120s. That's right. And it's a twofer, actually. 120s is a game that if you say you're playing a game of cards, that's what it is. It's 120s. All right. If Nan had the five jack and ace of hearts and a decent partner, she might have even bid this, the highest one can make. 30 for 60 or slam? 30 for 60. People say slam too, right? Okay. I thought you were going to say uh, 60 for 120. No, that's not, that's not a thing. No, that's bullshit. Some people call it growl too, isn't her name on it? Because people growl when they're playing the cards. Oh, yeah. Fantastic game. I highly recommend you learn how to play it. Yeah. I think you can actually get an app for it. Really? Not the same, though. It's not the same no. as all hands are sitting around with beers and smokes. <laughs> the That's cards right. are yeah. yellow from people smoking so much. You got to go on the backs of them. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So much fun. Anyway, that was a nice little stroll down card memory lane. All right. The next story I'm going to tell you is another death token story. And this one came by accident. This was not a listener suggestion, but I came across it while I was looking up stuff about death tokens. It's one of those stories that I vaguely knew that it was a thing, but I didn't know the details about, which are like my favorite when I start looking into them and I go, that's what that was all about. So here's a death token story about the Newfoundland ceiling disaster of 1914, commonly known as Death on the Ice. This story comes from a couple of different sources. Uh, the first thing was that very same article in the Down Home magazine. Um, another podcast, which I had mentioned before and recommend, called The Futility Closet. And an amazing short mixed media film called 54, which is from the National Film Board of Canada. Anything from the National Film Board of Canada is great. It is. You're not even joking about that. And if you're not subscribed to their YouTube channel, what even are you doing with your life? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a horrible story. It's a, it's a tragic story and a senseless story. But when we were kids, our dad would listen to the radio station called VOWR every weekend. Yep. This was a radio station that played a lot of traditional Irish Newfoundland music. And no matter how I tried to pretend to not like it, 
there was something very compelling about it all yeah. the time. You can either call it comfort and repetition or just a desire to know your roots. I don't know what it was, but it must have had some kind of impact on me because even my firstborn child is named directly from one of the songs that I would hear on VOWR all the time as a kid. So not the song that my kid is named after, but another one comes to mind when I think about VOWR, and that it's a very dark and spooky song called Death on the Ice, which is about the true story of this Newfoundland ceiling disaster of 1914. There's also a really excellent book called Death on the Ice by Cassie Brown uh, about the same thing. Here's kind of the, the story of what happened. In March of 1914, a fleet of three vessels left St. John's Harbor to hunt seals on the ice pans of Newfoundland and Labrador, as they've been doing for well over 100 years. One of these was called the SS Newfoundland, captained by Wes Keene, and another was the Stefano, which was captained by his father, Abram Keene. Okay. Princess Gina was the... Uh... <laughs> that was the third one. So the Elder Keene was known as the most successful sealing captain in the history of the Newfoundland seal hunt. And as one person described him, he was just one step below God. Wow. Yeah. That's quite the title. He commanded fear and respect. What he said went. So all the ships successfully made it to the ice pans, but the Newfoundland got stuck in the ice. The Newfoundland was the last of the wooden sealing ships and it was not equipped with a wireless. The reason why was because the captains or the owners did not think it was worth the expense to have a wireless on all their ships. <laughs> You'll see why yeah. this is a grave mistake later. After about a week of being stuck in the ice, the young captain, Wes Keene, sent 132 men over the side to walk to the Stefano to ask his dad where the seal herd is. To ask him where Marlena was. <laughs> she was in the secret room. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was his best guess of what to do. Like, go ask father where the seals are too. Again, no wireless. So that was it. 132 men climbed over the side of the boat and they walked across all the ice pans a couple of kilometers away. When they set out, it was a mild and sunny day. It was, it was March. So, you know, it could be like summer in Newfoundland. Who knows? And they were welcomed aboard. They were given tea and hard bread. Then, to their surprise, they were pointed in the direction of a herd and told to go hunt. Before you go on, and I, I don't mean to dwell on this, but uh, hard bread, would everybody know what that is? Uh, I don't know. This happens to me more than you would think. Things yeah. that to me just completely make sense. Makes sense, yeah. When I think about it, it's like, wait, people probably have no idea what that means. So why don't you explain what hard bread is? So hard bread is this thing that was made by the company Purity. It's like a, a bun, shape of a bun. But instead of being nice and soft and chewy, it is as hard as a rock. Like literally hard as a rock. And it'll break your teeth if you try to eat it. Mainly used for fish and brews. So you're going deeper into things people don't know what it is. Yeah. Basically, you have to soak hard bread in some sort of liquid in order for it to be edible. Yeah. But it lasts forever, and that's why they take it on sealing. Oh, is that the reason? Okay. I mean, yeah. I have eaten it in this hard form before, but it's very difficult. Even like a hammer to break it. Yeah. They get their little snack, and then they're told to go hunt. They had thought that they were going to spend the night on the Stefano, get the information that they needed, and then go back to their ship, the Newfoundland. But when the Elder Keen, like this one step below God guy, said, go hunt, there was just no questioning him. They just went. So off they go, and the Newfoundland weather is very unpredictable. Shortly, snow was on the way, and then it turned into a full raging blizzard. 
and the weather got so bad that the men decided to disobey the captain, which they would never normally do under like normal circumstances, abandon the hunt that they were told to go on and try to make their way back to the Newfoundland. So this blizzard was on them and then it turned into sleet. The Stefano thought at this point that the men were back on the Newfoundland. The Newfoundland thought that the men were safe on the Stefano spending the night. No one had any way to communicate because the Newfoundland had no wireless because it was too expensive. And in the meantime, all these men were stranded on these ice pans for a total of 54 hours. And that's where the title of that uh, National Film Board of Canada short film comes from. In total, 78 of them lost their lives. And it was one of the greatest maritime disasters in Newfoundland history. That's kind of the shortened version of what happened. Yep. But here's the supernatural part. One of the survivors was a man named Thomas Dawson, who was from our very own hometown of Bay Roberts. So it was said that Dawson spent a lot of his time on these ice pans, kind of plowing through the snow to beat a path for everyone to get through. I couldn't even imagine what it must have been like to walk across these ice pans on the North Atlantic Ocean in a blizzard and then a sleet storm. But it took quite a toll on him. And eventually he needed to lay down and rest, which is a very bad thing to do if you're stuck in the elements in a blizzard. Right. The weather got so desperate that they actually started to use some of the bodies to help block the wind. Oh, wow. The sad thing is the men could see the ships. They weren't that far, but they may as well have been a million miles away in the blizzard. It was pretty desperate. Dawson later recalled that in his delirium, he was visited in a dream right there as he lay down on the ice by the vision of the young daughter of his friend, who was the second hand on board the Bellaventure, which was a different sealing ship that wasn't part of this three vessel group that Dawson was part of. So according to Dawson, the dream child said to him, cheer up, Tom, Papa is coming. And the next thing he knew, he was being rescued by the crew of the Bellaventure, just like he was told was going to happen in his dream. Oh, wow. Yeah. So even though the Bellaventure wasn't part of the whole group that they were with, they eventually saw them and his buddy came to save him. I thought you were going to say that he saw a vision of Obi-Wan Kenobi and told him that he has to go to the Dagobah system. <laughs> uh, Dawson had his legs amputated because he, he did get frostbite, but he was probably one of the a few survivors from this senseless disaster that may have been visited by his token. Cool. So how many people survived this? So there was 132 in total, 78 died, but I believe 32 of them were like, fuck that, I'm not doing it. And they went back to the Newfoundland. So 100 of them made it across and then 78 of those 100 died. Basically because they wouldn't pay for a wireless. Yes. What's the value of 78 lives versus a wireless communications? Uh, I'm kind of glad I found this story because it was pretty cool. And now it's time for your quiz. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you live on the coast, as almost all Newfoundlanders do, you could be enjoying a sweltering hot 20 degree summer day on your back step. But if the wind changes to blow off the ocean, you may as well get out your winter duds because the temperature can drop drastically. When this happens, we say the wind is what? Changed? Uh, no, when the wind changes, we say the and it gets cold, the wind is? Uh, I've always just heard it as the wind changes. You'll hear this in your own mom's voice in a second. The wind is in. 
Oh, the wind is in. Okay, yes, yes. That's right. I should have known that. Number two. Newfoundland is the foggiest province in Canada. Fog is built into some of our idioms. Like if something seems to have been around forever, we say it's old as the first fog. If you hear that the forecast is calling for RDF, Newfoundlanders know to get ready for this kind of weather. Rangers on fog. Yep. You said that as if, what's the question? Yes, right. Yeah. You would not hear that anywhere else. Oh, really? Okay. That's a couple times a month for sure. You'll get that in the forecast. Final question. After the sealers in the great disaster of 1914 endured the blizzard, the rain came upon them and they had to deal with sleet. On land, sleet tends to coat everything in a layer of ice. Newfoundlanders sometimes refer to a sleet storm as this much prettier sounding name. Glitter? Yep, glitter okay. storm. That's a Newfoundland term. Okay, I didn't know that. Even though glitter storms are pretty dangerous because, you know, it's ways down the wires and... Yep. All that kind of stuff. It does look really pretty. It does, yeah. That's so pretty when the, the power lines come down and execute somebody. But No, but other than that, though. Other than that, it's beautiful. <laughs> if you snap it, I love it. That was the Newfoundland ceiling disaster and your quiz. I have one final death token story. Okay. This is a listener-submitted story, which didn't have a title, so I gave it one, called The Death Token of Perry's Cove. I'm pretty much going to read it exactly as it was written. I just changed a couple words. Okay. My mother told me this one about the death token. She was walking with her friend in Perry's Cove. The style was then to walk arm in arm. So they were strolling along when suddenly her friend increased her speed to almost a run, pulling mom along with her. They covered a fair distance before she finally slowed down. Mom asked her why she had taken off in such a frightened way. She said, I didn't want the woman to link into me. I didn't like her and I was afraid. Mom said that there was no woman, only us. A couple of weeks later, her friend died. Mom believes that she had seen her token. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's creepy. It is very creepy. <laughs> the poor old mom, I guess the mom was like a little girl at the time, right? So she yeah. must have been like, why am I being dragged through the meadows by this crazy person? <laughs> But then the other one, the friend, can you imagine like seeing some creepy old woman trying to link arms with you? Jesus. Good story, though. Yeah. You get a lot of stories like similar themes of that. That's it, bye. I don't have a Newfoundland quiz for the last story, so you're uh, off the hook. Okay. I don't have a quiz for you. Maybe I'll make up a question. All right, then. Okay. Those are my death token. Those are my creepy stories. I thought they were creepy to me. Yeah. Good stuff. And we appreciate everybody who submitted them to us. Yeah, nobody has names. Nobody wanted to use their names in any of this stuff. So I have a couple of creepy stories here. This first one was sent in to a listener, uh, actually from Newfoundland originally, but now lives in northern Ontario. This person used to live in Kingston. And when they lived in Kingston, they had hens and roosters and lots of other animals. In this, And again, I'm, I'm just going to kind of read this verbatim. Okay. In the spring, the hens would produce abundance of chickens. There was one that was very stubborn and independent hen, and they named it Kaka, which I thought was a very appropriate name for a uh, chicken. Sure. Or a hen. It's also a very famous soccer player named Kaka. Never heard of them. Okay. Anyway. Uh, but every spring, this specific hen would disappear, lay her eggs, and have her baby somewhere that was safe from humans. So the mom and the children would always search diligently for the hen, and were not successful in finding her, but they'd always eventually show up, proud as a peacock, with their babies following her. So one year, Kaka did her usual disappearing act. We'd wander about looking to find her. Uh, one day, mom decided to search the hen in the cemetery, which was across the road from the house. As she was walking past the church, she heard the most beautiful violin music she's ever heard. 
A local man had recently died and he was an amazing fiddler. Uh, she was somewhat unnerved by this, but being practical and no-nonsense person she was, she continued to search for the rebel hen. Eventually she found it. It was a nest on the fiddler's grave. Jesus. Yeah. It's the most goth hen there is. <laughs> no chickens yet, uh, so she went home and waited for the great hatching. Uh, eventually there were 13 babies. Uh, it was too early to move them, so they checked every day. And every day they went back, there was one fewer chicken. They finally brought the home with them into the house, and the decline continued. So one baby chicken disappeared each night. Even when they had them in the porch staying in there, they still lose one by one. Uh, they check each morning, and every morning, one fewer baby chick. The mom said it was a weasel taking them, but uh, they did not believe that, and it was trying to keep me from being scared. So the person said they were about seven when the time this happened, and there's no explanation they were given to it. I'm not sure it was more frightening, the fact that there might be a weasel in the house. Right. Or there's a ghost making off with what would be a lovely Sunday dinner for them. <laughs> uh, there's so many things weird about that story. Number one, the chicken would just go, I'm going to have my chicken somewhere, and would yeah. just go make a nest, whatever. Hearing the fiddle music is pretty creepy. So fiddle music can be, it's, it's very beautiful, but it also can be very creepy too, right? Like that, rant, 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 rant. It's kind of built in for like the devil went down the Georgia style. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or just really like creepy sort of ethereal sounds or whatever. Um, if I was searching in a graveyard for my <laughs> for my feral chicken and I yeah. randomly heard fiddle music, I don't think I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to keep looking for my chickens. You know what? That ch- He comes back every year. He's going to come back again. That's right. F this. I wonder what happened to the chickens. Are there weasels in Newfoundland? Yes, I think there is, yeah. Is there? Okay. They're not common, I don't think, but they're doing it at people's houses to steal chickens every now and then. Uh, obviously. That's a pretty creepy story. I wonder what happened to all the chickens, and I guess it only happened that one time. I wonder if the fiddler ghost wanted them. The moral of the story is don't have your chickens on graves. <laughs> on fiddler's graves. So, interesting story. Thank you very much, listener, for sending that one in. Uh Another creepy one about a mother saving their daughter from a car accident. Okay. This is one uh, that happened, they think it was in the 1960s. Uh, a woman that was involved in a car accident. It was very slippery and visibility was poor. Like we've discussed before, Newfoundland weather can be very unpredictable and storms can kind of come out of nowhere and get very slippery very fast. Mm-hmm. She went to pull off the road and went over a big cliff. Her car was on a big rock and it was just teetering there, just like you see in the, the movies where it'll fall down a little bit and then it'll fall back a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. She managed to get out, but started sliding down the cliff and what would be almost certainly to her death based on her height and how much the fall would be. Uh, she said she heard her mother call out and told her to reach out and hold on. So she did this and it stopped her downward plunge and pulled herself back up to the cliff on the road. A short time later, she was rescued and brought home. When she got there, her mother said, thank God you're safe. I dreamed you're falling over a cliff and I reached out and grabbed you. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they went back to the scene of the accident, and it was just a cliff, and there was no branches, no vegetation, no anything of any kind that she could have ever grabbed. So to this day, they can't figure out exactly how she got grabbed and how she got pulled up. Oh, that's a weird story. Great creepy story. Well, I don't know if creepy is the right word. It'd be creepy if she, like, grabbed and she looked up, and it was like a skeleton, and she's like, blah. <laughs> it was Large Marge from the Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Large Marge sent me, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though, especially because not only did the person in the car accident say, you know, my mom told me to reach out, but the mom said, oh, my God, I'm glad you're okay. I dreamt that you were in a, you know, like it's almost like a communal experience. Yeah, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah. Another one, like one of our I think it was our third episode. We did the old hag, maybe. 
second or third. Yeah, I don't remember which one it was. When we did the old hag, someone sent in a story about their experience with the old hag. I always love hearing other people's old hag stories. I was actually talking me to too. a friend of mine. <laughs> Is it? I was talking to a friend of mine who told me about his old hag story. It was actually it was me and him lying on my bed. I forgot about it, but when he told me about it recently, I remember when he actually told me it. He was lying on, on the bed, and I was asleep, and he was lying next to me, and he was asleep, and he was staring at me, but he couldn't move. He started freaking out, realized he couldn't move, and I was having the old hag. But then he finally realized he was dreaming, and I guess he kind of figured it out for himself, and then just kind of waited until he woke up. And then eventually I woke up, and he kind of looked at me and said, oh, I just had the old hag dream, so. Wait, you were really in the same bed? We really were, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, this one here is a little bit creepier, this old hag story that was sent in from the listener. Uh so the most fearful memory of the old hag was when my older daughter was very young. It was very early in the morning. She was sleeping in her crib in her bedroom across the hall from ours. Uh, my husband had to leave to go to work. The old black figure was standing next to me beside the bed. I'm still convinced that I wasn't asleep. But I was totally paralyzed. I was in a panic about my baby, but just could not move. Couldn't see the face of the figure who seemed to be dressed in a long gown with a hood, rather like the Grim Reaper. Somehow I knew I had to move even though I could do it very little. I think I knew that it was some residual childhood memory. Finally, I did wiggle a pinky finger. The old figure went out of the bedroom at a door, and when I could move, I ran in to check in my baby who was sleeping peacefully. It took me a while to get over my panic state. So you imagine that. You're just sitting there, and the Grim Reaper's looking over you, and you're trying to get to your child. Oh, my God. She was saying... I knew I had to move, so she moved like her pinky finger or whatever. That yeah. was one of the things that we learned about when we were doing the old hag. Like that was one way to, if you know you're having the hag, to kind of, get rid of it, yeah. how to get rid of it. Uh, that being one thing. And it also gave me some Kill Bill sort of vibes. That's right, yeah. <laughs> right, like, like punching out of the coffin. And then, of course, the other thing was, as we learned, a lot of times when you get the old hag is when you're sleep deprived. Yep. And you're never more sleep deprived in your life than when you're a new parent. Yeah, a new baby, yeah. This listener goes on to say that the local native Ojibwe culture, that pronounce right? I think so. Has a similar uh, malignant uh, figure called the Bear Walker. The Bear Walker spirit is a malignant devil who is summoned out of the wilderness by a witch or evil person. It is an evil shape changer who can appear as an animal, bird, or ball of fire. God damn, Bell Island boom. That's <laughs> right. All of one. If somebody puts a bear walker curse on you, very bad things will happen to you. Very similar to getting hagged. Uh, in 1950, a young man from a nearby reserve killed both his parents because he claimed he had put the bear walk curse on him. Whoa! He used it as defense in his trial. I don't know if it ever could be found, but in the McLean's Magazine, August 1st, 1950, had an article about the bear walk beliefs on the island. Again, the old hag was one of my favorite topics that we covered. Oh, yeah, I love the old hag, yeah. Have you had it since? We talked about it. Because I, I was no. very concerned I was going to have it that night. I was too, but no, I have right. not. And we recorded that eight months ago. One of the things we talked about in the old hag one was how there's so many different cultures that have the version of the old hag. Yeah, it's all different versions. It's, it's a very similar story, but it's it's a little, little different. In researching for that episode that we did, I did not know about any Native Canadian type of old hag situations but uh wow the bear walker that's that could be its own episode and somebody use it as defense in a trial yeah it's almost like a wendigo yeah 
we're talking about the old hag too there's another podcast that kind of deals with folklore too that they've actually mentioned us in twitter oh yes fireside canada right fireside canada so uh like i said they they spoke us uh, us about the, our fairies episode and they also sent out a picture i i think uh for their season two they're going to be doing a story about the old hag and they sent out that picture of buddy sitting on the chest and the missus with her head <laughs> which we really enjoyed Yes. Uh, my favorite thing about that picture was your comment to say that the horse was the third weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so basically there's a there's lady sitting there, there's a guy, there's a gremlin sitting on her chest and the horse in the background staring at him. So <laughs> awesome picture. But yeah, the Fireside uh, Podcast, check it out. Uh, they do a lot of folklore stuff. Very well done, very well researched, very well written. Yes, uh, I very much enjoy that. It's a different flavor yeah, than is, ours, yeah. but... Uh, content wise if you if you want to safely listen to the same kinds of stories around your kids uh that we cover for sure fireside canada yeah check it out so i have one more story that i'd like to uh review it was from a listener it's not really a creepy story it's more of a interesting story it's kind of very similar to the, to the remember the one we did there when we did the uh the boat that, full of rats yes <laughs> that was one of my favorite ones yeah they're all my favorite they're all like my children <laughs> As recently as last week, I had somebody tell me how much they enjoyed the rat story. <laughs> which you found, by the way, so I can't really take credit for it. I just kind of, you should, <laughs> here's a story that you should do. I never would have told it in uh, such an entertaining way as you, though. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so this one's similar to that, so in that it was a boat that was in Newfoundland that floated all the way to Ireland. Uh, it was a houseboat. So there's a guy by the name of Rick Small. He was an inventor from Victoria, B.C. Okay. Not behind Cabernet. Uh, yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> Victoria, British Columbia. He wanted to raise awareness about climate change. So his strategy for doing this would be to build a 10-meter houseboat powered by solar panels and sail it from Newfoundland to the Arctic to show that Arctic ice is disappearing. Now, how this is a, a big message about climate change, I'm not really sure. Well, I need to fly a drone over it and just show it or take Google satellite. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do this. But anyway, this was his plan to do it. It sounds like a Rube Goldberg machine of... Yep. To demonstrate uh, climate change. Exactly. He he was actually a bit of an inventor and he was fascinated, I guess, with solar power. And he actually mm-hmm. made a solar powered bike that he drove from Victoria to Newfoundland, actually, St. John's, over 100 days. Sure, bikes are pedal powered or people powered. What are you talking about? Well, like it was a, a mechanized bike or whatever. Oh, like a motorcycle. Okay. <laughs> It's kind of like a little house on wheels. It was like it was like a bike, but it had like a sleeper in it and it had a place where you can cook and everything else. It was all done through solar powered, right? I'm so stunned. Okay, that makes more sense. That's right. So anyway, he made this successful uh, bike that wasn't powered by his feet. It was powered by solar power and it was electronically powered, I suppose, a Petlin from uh, Victoria. Yep. So he wanted to build his boat. So he built his houseboat that he was going to do the same thing. Uh, unfortunately, he could not find a proper motor to power his boat for the journey. Why he couldn't do that, I don't know. He was smart enough to build this other thing. Maybe it was just he couldn't get one powerful enough. So what he decided to do was he was just going to abandon the boat and say, the hell with it. I can't figure out how to do this. So he abandoned it in Portugal Cove, actually. Okay. And he wrote on the inside of it, I, Rick Small, donate this structure to the homeless youth to give them a better life that Newfoundlanders choose not to. No rent, no mortgage, no hydro. Hang on now. Is there a big homeless population in Portugal Cove? There's not that I'm aware of. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine. But if I had seen this boat in harbor, I would have claimed it for myself. I said, I'm taking this because it looked pretty cool. Hell yeah. You wouldn't have to pay to get on the ferry to go across the tickle. I go to Belle Island every day. I'd start my own Belle Island ferry. My son. So he donated it to the homeless people. And uh, 
the boat was uh, sitting there for however long it was. It eventually got moved or towed away, and it was set adrift, and it made it all its way to Ireland, where it sat abandoned in County Mayo, Ireland, for a couple of years. People didn't know where it was, where it came from. All they saw was this Rick Small <laughs> message written there. So I guess you knew it came from Newfoundland. So yeah, like the rat boat made it all the way to England. It almost got attacked by the, the military, or the, the, the Navy. This one made it all the way to Ireland. Okay. What was the point of this person? Well, I guess he was an environmental activist, and he wanted to prove that the Arctic ice But he ice just created just... junk that floated so, around. Like <laughs> So in order to do that, I'm going to create this piece of junk that's just going to float around in the water and pollute oh. the land, adrift in the sea. So does some poor homeless Irish person live in it now, I wonder? I'm not sure what became of it after that. It made its way to Ireland anyway, which I thought was pretty funny. But I guess if you just chuck something in the ocean, it's going to end up in Ireland. I'm sure it has to be the right winds and the right this and that. Once it gets so far out, I guess it'll go from there. But to get that far to begin with, there has to be the right conditions. Well, that's a mental story about somebody who was thought himself to be some sort of mechanical genius, but wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Cool. That was a listener submitted story? It was a listener submitted story, yep. Are you ready for your Newfoundland quiz? Made up right here on the spot? Made up right here on the spot. All right, go ahead. Try to stump me, which you probably will. When somebody is acting irregular or they're being not very pleasant to you and they're causing a disturbance to you in your life, they're said to be a pain in the what? Arse. Oh, that's one. But what else? <laughs> is it a body part? It is a body part, yes. Arse is close. Pain in the hole. A pain in the hole. <laughs> you heard that before? Pain in the yes, hole? Yes, I've heard that before. Yeah, they're all places you don't want to have pains in general. <laughs> Your uh, quiz is much more amusing than mine. Okay, yeah. And, oh, so, okay, so you get your Sunday dinner and you're eating a, a big meal. Yeah. What was the Newfoundland term for that? For a big meal? Oh, your scoff. A scoff, that's right. My son, I got some scoff on to go there today. That's right. Got the pots going, got the, the potatoes, the salt beef. Well, I'd get some potatoes or praties. Praties or, or young ones instead of onions. Well, no. See, Dad didn't have a Newfoundland accent. He had his own. Local to our house dialect. Oh, my God. If the water on like Spaniards Bay, say, if that was really not a lot of ripples on it, let's say, what would Dad say that was? Some cam. Yep. Water some cam. Or our mom, who's from Carboneer, doesn't pronounce the letter Z or the letter Z. What's she say? Ebra. <laughs> no, she says it like an S. She'd say zebra. Zigzag. Should we continue or what? Yeah, let's continue on. All right. Uh, final story of this episode is also kind of about where people live. I'm going to talk to you about the hidden tunnels of St. John's. This is something I don't know anything about. So this story is inspired by a CBC article by a writer. She's actually a comedian and chef and writer. So she's like a Renaissance woman named Andy Bullman. So St. John's is the capital and the by far most populous city in Newfoundland and Labrador. I think probably almost close to half of all Newfoundlanders live in and around St. John's, including yourself. Yes. It's one of North America's oldest cities. Some people say it's the oldest, but that's contested. So I'm. They claim it's the oldest. Who's contesting it? Chicago? East St. Louis? <laughs> Not for city wise, but uh, they say like St. Augustine, Florida was settled long before. Okay. Apparently that was settled in the 1500s. Because you always hear that Cupid's in Newfoundland is the 
first settlement, yeah. Or the first continuous settlement, uh, English settlement in North America. But then Jamestown, Virginia was actually a couple years before Cupid's, but it wasn't continuous. And anyway, there's a whole thing. Whatever. Right. It's fucking old for North America. Yeah. Uh, all right. So it's one of North America's oldest cities. It's the site of the world's very first transatlantic wireless transmission from yep. Signal Hill. Marconi played the mamba. Marconi played the mamba? What does that mean? Listen to the radio. Don't you remember we built this city? No. Wait. That doesn't say Marconi, does it? Probably not. Maybe it's a misheard <laughs> lyric. Not a thing. That song, by the way, is consistently on the like top 10 worst song. The shittiest song of all time, yeah. I have it on 45. Do you? I do, yeah. You're such a nerd. I bought it at Value Village for 50 cents. <laughs> Are you the only one who shops at Value Village? I feel like every time I talk to you, you're like, I went to Value Village and I bought another meatloaf record. Oh, yeah. Marconi plays the mama. Listen to the radio. Really? Don't you remember? We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. So you're telling me that the shittiest rock and roll song ever written is about St. John's? No, I don't think it has anything to do with St. John's. You sure it does. You just, Marconi. Well, Marconi, Marconi was on the other side of the transmission, not on St. John's side, right? Who was on St. John's side? Some fucking skeet? Yeah, no, I, I don't know. Some guy. John Cabot, I suppose. I don't know. The corpse of John Cabot was propped up. Yeah. <laughs> then they heaved him into the ocean when they're done. <laughs> this episode is going so weird. Yeah. Let's bring it back to normalcy. All right. So it's a site of the world's very first wireless transatlantic transmission. Marconi yeah. played to Mamba. The home of the oldest continuous annual sporting event in North America. Yep. The regatta. And a place whose label of City of Legends is given in earnest. Okay. So side note about the oldest annual sporting event, because I got to put this in for the townies listening. The Royal St. John's Regatta is the longest continuous annual sporting event in North America. Officially, the first regatta was in 1818. So old as the first fog. It's held every August in Kitty Vitty. And it's unique for a couple of reasons, aside from being the oldest. It's the only civic holiday, uh, I believe in Canada, probably even more than just in Canada, that's dependent on the weather. Yep. It's scheduled to be the first Wednesday in August, but if the committee deems that the weather is not good enough, then it's the next fine day. Since I've been back in Newfoundland in 2011, they haven't moved it once. Because there's a thing called regatta roulette, where the night before the regatta, are you going to uh, tempt fate and have a few beers and hopefully that you get the day off the next day? Oh, okay, yeah. So they call it regatta roulette. Yeah. All right. So it's the only civic holiday that's dependent upon the weather, which is apropos for Newfoundland because fucking live and die by the weather, right? And the second thing that makes it unique is instead of the race being kind of in a straight line, the teams actually go down Kitty Vitty Lake, go around a buoy, and then come back. So the finish line is the start line. Yeah. It's not like the normal row races like that where it's just you go straight to the end. Sure anyone can do that. That's right takes a real team to turn around and come back. So if you ever find yourself in St. John's, by the way, do yourself a favor and take the St. John's Haunted Walk. Yes. So good. Excellent. If you even like our podcast, even a tiny bit, you're going to love the Haunted Walk. They tell you all about pirates and witches and crime and all that dark kind of stuff. It is so good. But one thing that they don't really talk about 
is this persistent legend that there's a series of underground tunnels all throughout the city, especially in the downtown area. There's definitely tunnels in St. John's, 100% for sure, because you and I both went to Memorial University, and that university is fully connected by a series of tunnels. Yeah, it's fantastic. Not a rumor. Yeah, if you live in residence, you do not need to go outside for the whole term if you don't want to. I did because I did business, and business wasn't in a tunnel. You can get right to a point where you had to cross the street, but 99% of it could be indoors. Yeah, Memorial University is connected by a bunch of tunnels, unless you did business or engineering or medicine. There's a lot of stories about secret tunnels that were used for nobody knows what, like who the hell knows what, right? Treasure is a big theory that people have. Munitions is another one, like they store stuff for like World War II kind of things. Or another theory about all these tunnels was that it was some kind of easy escape for some people to go from place to place. One very popular story is actually that there's tunnels from the Four Sisters on Temperance Street all up through Signal Hill. So the Four Sisters you talked about in the Ghosts and Haunted Places episode, which was the creepiest episode I think we ever did. Yep. Um, But I think even in that episode, there was some rumor that there was doors in between all those. Between the houses, yeah. So you go from house to house without having to go outside, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of extended into there's also underground tunnels that go all the way up through Signal Hill. Nobody knows why. They're just just probably tunnels. Back in 2014, there were crews working at the Colonial Building and the surrounding grounds in St. John's who made a very interesting discovery, which was a tunnel that was 37 meters long. And it was about two feet by three feet kind of around, like across and up, right? So pretty fair sized tunnel. So they're doing the work. They found this weird tunnel and the work was immediately halted. They called in the city and they also called the archaeologists because it could have been of historical significance. That's right. Yeah. Especially because of all these rumors that there's all these interconnected tunnels underground in St. John's. So there was a long time rumor that there was a tunnel connecting the colonial building. It used to be the Newfoundland archives, but it was also the site of Newfoundland government up until 1959. But connecting Colonial Building to the government house, which is the official... Lieutenant Governor, yeah. Is it Lieutenant Governor or Lieutenant Governor? How do you say that? I always thought it was Lieutenant. I hear it both ways, like Lieutenant and Lieutenant. For all of our non-Canadian listeners, a Lieutenant Governor is the official representative of the Queen in the province. For better or for worse, the head of the Canadian government is the Queen of England, and her representative in each province is the lieutenant governor. So they had this long rumor that there was a connection between the old colonial building and the the official residence of the lieutenant governor. So they thought maybe they discovered this tunnel when they found this um, 37 meter, two by three feet tunnel. Some people argued that the tunnel that they actually found was used for water and sewer. (laughs) Stunk down there. These are found all over St. John's. Like they keep finding these weird tunnels. They're like, oh my God, it's a super weird tunnel. But it's like, no, that's drainage, right? Uh, But in this particular one, it had not just like the rock sort of um, arc uh, to form the tunnel shape. It also had this wooden base. And that suggested that it wouldn't have been used for water and sewer. It would have been for something else like navigation, just like under Disney World, where they have all these tunnels. They have the tunnels uh, keep everything on the shelves and everything, right? Keep everything on the shelves? That's where like the workers go from site to site. Yes, yes. So this water sewer slash tunnel was like the Disneyland of St. John's, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Um. <laughs> the Buzz Lightyear goes to go from the, the shit house to the... 
Um, yeah, so a lot of people thought they were drains. But, I mean, who's to say they weren't both things? That's right. It could be both, yeah. So what's the theory behind to get one tunnel to the other? I guess if you had to get somebody from the government house to the sneak somebody out, I guess, or something. Well, there's a lot of tension in all history, but there's a lot of tension in Newfoundland history. Like, just think about the whole thing between Protestants and Catholics. Like, there That's might right, have been yeah. times where you need to, like, get the lieutenant governor out of colonial building, yep. you know? They didn't really know what it was. It's just a tunnel, whatever. They continue with their construction. It filled up with concrete. So that's not for that. Sadly, a lot of the things, even if it is to take your shit away, like they filled it in exactly like you said with concrete. Oh, wow. So bad. It is. Like, I mean, you don't need to preserve every single thing, I suppose. But like some things you might want to. Well, I mean, if that actually existed, you could have had it. And that could have been a real tourist attraction. Tunnels and go around from place to place. And oh, yeah. Right. Walk past the shit. <laughs> don't mind the smell of shit now boys just keep on going well look at, at Paris they have the whole catacombs with like millions of skulls and dead bodies yeah. and people go down there like this is a great tourist attraction yeah, so, sure, yeah. what to say the shit drains to St. John's couldn't be the same aside from, from that kind of stuff though there's been people finding stuff in their homes in downtown St. John's for years so in this CBC article that I read um, this is a story actually it comes from October of 2020 so right when we were starting this podcast, downtown resident Andrea uh, Monroe found a secret hidden room in the corner of her basement. Your fantasy. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's my dream come true, right? She thinks it was probably a Cold War bunker. But could you imagine you're in your basement and you're like, what's that over there? And it's, it's like a door and you open it up and it's like, shit, there's an secret extra room. room. Secret room. Marlene is in there. God knows what, whatever. I think it would be both very, very creepy and also very awesome. <laughs> yeah, cool and creepy at the same time, yeah. It's definitely very cool for someone else to find it in their house. It would yeah. be cool and creepy to find it in your own house. Apparently, there's a lot of secret tunnels uh, that they're still discovering and secret rooms and secret things at a lot of the old houses in downtown St. John's. So that's the story of the secret tunnels. I never heard that. That's very interesting. I need to research that. Yeah, I feel I want them to preserve more of the things that they're finding, but... Uh, I guess they don't. They're going to do what they want to do. Now it's time for your quiz. Here we go. Newfoundland English quiz. Number one. The tunnel or drain at the colonial building was pretty small. If one was escaping from government house, one would certainly need to bend down or do this to make it through the squat quarters. Um, I don't know. Do you want a hint or should I just tell you? Uh, give me a hint. All right. Begins with the letter C. Crouch, cooch. Kind of close. Coopy. Coopy down. Never heard of that in my life. No? No. Oh, okay. If you're hiding from something, you coopy down. Zero for one on this one so far. Let's go to the next one. I'm sure it was already creepy enough for Andrea to find the hidden room in her house. The only thing that would have made it creepier is if it had kids' toys or clothes or a pacifier, a.k.a. this. <laughs> yeah, I do know this one. That would be the dumb tit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is such a weird and vulgar term. But it is, yeah. Yep, the dumb tit. I remember uh, when I lived in Ontario, friends of mine was like, uh, oh yeah, we just came from a baby shower and people from Newfoundland and we gave them a pacifier and they called it and before they said it, I said, dumb tit. And he, he rolled like, how did you know that? <laughs> so. Yeah, it's definitely a Newfoundland term and it's kind of weird. Okay. Oh, it's what it is, I mean. Last one. 
Maybe Andrea figured out she could repurpose the secret room into a wine cellar or a storage space. Sounds like a project she would get around to at an inspecific time in the future known as this. In two sniffs of the duck's arse. <laughs> no. The once. Yes, the once. Gonna get around to it the once. Here's a couple of quick ones for you now. All right. Then. If you're grouchy, what's a term you'd use? Some crooked. Crooked. There you go. Um... When you're very annoyed at somebody and you're uh, there's an annoyance, they're getting on what? Getting on me nerves. Oh, me nerves, right? Yep. Nice. Yeah, real words that actual Newfies use. So that is it. That's our part one for Newfoundland and Labrador. Our our home, my home, even though I don't live there. Yeah, no. One thing I do have to say, though, and I, I've been wanting to say this since we're talking about playing 120s, there's <laughs> nothing worse when somebody doesn't play the cards right, when they don't play the right card because they're holding it back to win a trick. Because if you're not bidding, your purpose is to put that person down. So the five points you get for holding your ace of hearts when you didn't run with it, don't do that. Don't be that person. Your job in 120s is not to win, is to get the bidder down. Exactly. If you're not bidding, you got to get the bidder down. So the five points you get for there, that means nothing if the buddy gets their 20 bid. And this is making me think of another term here now. What's it called when you hold your cards back? Sandbagging. Sandbagging, yep. <laughs> but anyway, I, I said to get that in there. No, that's good. That's our episode, uh, or part one of our episode of Newfoundland and Labrador. Obviously, we have hundreds of stories. We did not get to put everybody's story in there. We kind of picked some and fit it into some sort of logical grouping. Format? Yeah, some sort of format. There's a lot of off-the-cuff stuff, like Barry said. But uh, that's it for, for this episode. And with that, I do have one more Newfoundland, final Newfoundland English quiz for you. Okay. This is the term for tying up the loose ends, like promoting your social medias at the end of your podcast episode. Cluing up. Yep. <laughs> We're going to clue it up right now. Yeah. So if you enjoyed this episode, you want to drop us a line, you want to tell us a story about Newfoundland or any other province or anything in general, just feel free to send us an email. Our email address is somewhereadpodcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at somewhereadpod. And the website is www.somewhereadpodcast.com. Drop us a line. We certainly hope you enjoyed this Newfoundland and Labrador episode as much as I did. I learned words <laughs> like skunt. <laughs> yeah. And there's only one last thing to say. Stories from Newfoundland and Labrador are some weird. By some weird. Is that the Boron drum at the end? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm a Newfoundlander born and bred, and I'll be one till I die. I'm proud to be an islander, and here's the reason why. I'm free as the wind. Fitness cunt. No. Close again. Uh. Is it pain of a taint? Pain <laughs> <laughs> in the shoulder. <laughs>